We are glad that you are here today. If this is uh, your first time with us, I'm Steve Hammer. I'm one of the pastors here, and I hope that you're blessed by this. Have you ever noticed, though, that when you are watching a new television series, that usually the first two or three are amazing? They're fabulous. I remember when my wife and I started watching This Is Us, and the first three episodes were just amazing. By the way, I have not seen the latest because we were gone, so no spoilers when you talk to me afterwards, please. But the first three were just amazing. I'm kind of hard to fool, and we got to the end of all three of those episodes, and I went, I did not see that coming. I mean, it was just amazing. And then the fourth episode was good, but maybe not quite as good. You know how that goes? And um, this is the fourth message in this series. So Seth, the pressure's on. We have got to work a little harder to make this as amazing as the rest of the series has been. And uh, I think that we're going to work hard to do that. I know Seth's part's amazing. Hopefully mine will be too. But we are in this series that we've called Rethinking Church, and we're looking at some of the Bible words and Bible pictures for the church, and we're trying to let those words and those pictures help us as we rethink church in a different way. And so we have looked at the word ecclesia, which means called out assembly or set apart assembly. And uh, we have talked about being the bride of Christ. And we have talked about serving together as soldiers of Christ. And today we're going to talk about being the body of Christ the body of Christ. And part of the reason that we have been doing this series is because it's really common today to have people who love Jesus, but they pretty much hate the church. They love Jesus, but they hate the church. And we've been trying to point out how important the church is to Jesus. And as we have said repeatedly in this series, it's difficult to exaggerate how important the church is as a part of God's plan for your life. It's hugely important. And I think when we really understand what Jesus thinks about his church and what the Bible says about the church, it's pretty hard to say, Jesus, I love you, but I hate your church. I mean, that would be like saying, Jesus, I love you, but I hate your bride. Or Jesus, I love you, but I hate your body. Can you imagine saying that to other people in your life? Saying to your best friend, I love you. I just think your spouse is a real jerk. I hate your spouse. Or saying to someone that you love, I love you. I just hate your body. Those are probably not things that we would say to someone that we love. Now, it is true. It's true that sometimes we love our friends, but we're not particularly fond of the person that they decide to marry. And so what happens when that occurs? Well, either we learn to love and appreciate their spouse or distance grows in the relationship that we had with that friend. And so when we love Jesus, but 
don't think much of his bride, distance grows there. And most people, male and female, don't resemble the body that they had when they first fell in love, but true love continues to love even when the body is not as, at its best. But today, we look at this concept of the church being the body of Christ, and we want to figure out how we can work together to continue to be a healthy church, a healthy body of Christ. Most of you know that Jill and I were gone uh, during the week, this past week, we were uh, celebrating her mom's life, uh, the, mom of, uh, the life of Jeanette Cunningham, Jill's mom, and we, um, we spent time, <coughs> excuse me, with family, and uh, we had a great uh, service to remember her. But in the middle of her memorial service, there was a scary moment. One of my friends, one of our friends was up uh, giving his memories of Jeanette's life and as he was speaking in the road directly behind me, one of our other really good friends lost consciousness. I heard a gasp and I heard his wife kind of scream and uh, then she said, I can't find a pulse. And when I turned around and my friend Bob was lying there on the church pew, I really thought he was dead. I really thought he was gone. But long story short, he regained consciousness and he was able to even walk himself out to the lobby where he waited for the paramedics and they have been doing some tests and uh, he seems fine right now. You can pray for him. His name's Bob. But my point in telling you this is Bob appeared absolutely healthy. He appeared perfectly healthy and he was functioning fine until apparently his heart just misfired. There was this misfire in his body that, and that created other problems for him because his body wasn't functioning the way that it should. Now, sometimes the church doesn't function the way it's supposed to. Not just this church, any church. Sometimes churches don't function the way that they're supposed to. And my guess is if we were to sit down together and try to examine every hurt that we have had as a result of churches, we would be able to identify somewhere in the process where the body of Christ, the church, had a misfire, where it just didn't function right in all of its systems. It broke down and that created other difficulties. I think that would be the case with clergy abuse scandals and financial scandals and power struggles. Just like the human body, the church, the body of Christ functions best when all of its systems and all of its parts are healthy and working together in a healthy way, just like God intended them to. So what does a healthy body of Christ look like? What does a healthy church look like? Now, we could spend an entire year of messages examining just that question, and we still wouldn't completely cover uh, the subject. And so I know we are not going to completely unpack that in one message, but let's look at a couple of things that are mentioned when the Bible talks about the body of Christ that are necessary for a healthy body. First, a healthy body joins together in unity. A healthy body joins together in unity. 
One of the primary passages that uses this concept of the church being the body of Christ is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you want to open there in your device or uh, in your Bible, you can do that. We'll refer to it several times today, but it's also in your notes and it will be on the screen. But look first at 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 and 13. Here's what it says. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized into one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. So Paul, who wrote these words in 1 Corinthians, uses this word picture. He says, our bodies have many different parts and they look different and they do different things. We have fingers to touch things and we have tongues to taste things and we have legs to get us from place to place and we have eyes to see and ears to hear. And all of those different parts look different and they act different, but all of those different parts form one cohesive unit that we call the body. And in the same way, our church has many parts, parts that look different and act differently. Some are big and some are small. Some are loud and some are quiet. Some are detail-oriented and some go with the flow. Some like to sing or some speak, some listen, some serve on stage, some serve behind the scenes. But all of these different parts are one cohesive unit called the body of Christ, the church. And just like the human body, the church, the body of Christ, functions best when all of its parts are joined together in unity. And unity is so important to a church. And one of the huge strengths of our church is that we have unity. We have unity in our leadership team. We are all working together to move in the direction uh, that we feel God has called us to move. And when churches don't have that, they splint and they, or they split and they splinter. And when churches don't have that, there's power struggles and uh, infighting. And we are blessed to be in a church where that doesn't exist. Our, our leadership has uh, that unity and we have a policy that we've had for years now. Here's how we state it. No one messes with the unity of our church. No one messes with the unity of our church. And we've been protecting that. Our leaders work hard to protect our church from the first signs of division and disunity because healthy bodies join together in unity. So what does healthy unity look like in a church? What does healthy unity look like in the body of Christ? Let me give you a few facts about unity. The first is this, unity means obeying the head. It means obeying the head. Just like the health of the body requires the brain to be functioning as the control center for the entire body, the health of the church requires that we obey Jesus, the head of the church the head of his body, the church. Look at what it says in Colossians chapter one. He, that is Jesus, existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. 
He is the beginning, supreme over all who will rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. Jesus is the head of the church. He is supreme over everyone else, and he is first in everything. When ministry leaders, elders, and pastors understand that Jesus is the head, when we understand that he gets to call all the shots, that solves all of the problems in the church. But this is true not just for the church. This is true for every individual member of the body of Christ also. My, my arm has to do what my brain tells it to do if I'm going to be healthy. And each member of the church, each member of the body of Christ has to do what Jesus has told all of us to do if the church is going to be healthy. That means we have to obey him. It means we have to serve and we have to give and we have to pray and we have to forgive as he has asked us to do or our church won't work right. It also means we have to submit to the wisdom of the leaders that Christ has placed here in the body if the body is going to be healthy and function correctly. And again, as I consider problems that I have seen throughout my 40 years of being a pastor, most of them come down to one or more people just refusing to obey Jesus, the head of the church. And so unity means obeying the head. Second, a second key fact is unity makes us better and stronger. Unity makes us better and stronger. The idea of the church as the body of Christ is also found in Ephesians 4. Look at what it says in verses 15 and 16. Here's what it says. No, we will speak the truth with love. We will grow to be like Christ in every way. He is the head and the whole body depends on him. All the parts of the body are joined and held together with each part doing its own work. This causes the whole body to grow and to be stronger in love. When each part of the body does its own work, when each person in the church functions using their gifts, uh, when we function the way God intended each of us, using our personality, each of us using our talents, then the whole body, the church grows and it gets stronger in love. This means we're united not just for the fun of being on the same page, not just so that we can say that we have unity. We are united around a purpose. We're united to accomplish what Jesus has placed us here to do. That's reaching up to God by worshiping him and pursuing closeness with him. That's reaching out by unleashing compassion and influencing others who are far from God or who need his help and his touch and his comfort. It's reaching in and inc by encouraging and helping each other as we seek to build community and as we seek to grow stronger together. So our unity is to accomplish his purpose. But the passage also indicates something else that's important. We're better together. We're better together. And that's the problem that occurs when people decide that the problems in the church mean that they need to abandon the church and not attend anymore. When that happens, we miss out on so much. We miss out on so much. Together, we're able to comfort each other better. And we're able to do 
bigger things as we join our resources and our gifts and we're able to influence others around us in a bigger way. We can provide more programming to help families and uh, students and kids because together we have the gifts and the talents to do that. And we can reach out to our community with our Monster Bash outreach and by providing a community center uh, because working together we can do that. And we can send thousands of dollars every year to ministry partners locally and globally because together we have the resources to do that. Unity makes us better and it makes us stronger together. And there's at least one other thing that being better and stronger together means, and that is we're able to compensate for weak or injured parts of the body. Sometimes for no apparent reason, my back will go out. And the pain in my back affects nearly every part of my body. I mean, I walk differently. I get up from a seat differently and I walk funny to try to keep the pain away or I'm sleeping in my recliner instead of my chair to help my back feel better. And our bodies have a way to compensate when one part of our body is injured or weaker. And the church does that too. The church does that too. We have had some illness and death in our congregation recently and their families have been hurting and weak and it's been amazing to watch how the groups that those families are a part of have ministered to them. And I, I think Seth is gonna say more about that. But let me just say again, we are better and stronger together. But there's one more key fact about unity that I want you to understand today. That is unity is not uniformity. Unity is not uniformity. Sometimes when people talk about unity, they will talk about it like we all have to be the same. Some churches and some religious groups almost insist that they want all of their members to believe exactly the same things in exactly the same way on every issue. And they want them all to function in exactly the same way. And uniformity is not necessary for unity. I uh, have been married. I've been united in marriage with my wife for 40 years. And we have unity together but we do not have uniformity at all. We are not the same at all. I mean, after 40 years of marriage, I still don't understand how her brain works. I mean, she is a mystery to me. I mean, she is such an orderly, detailed person in most areas of her life, but when she grabs that toothpaste tube, she just squeezes wherever her hand hits and she doesn't even seem to know that's wrong. She's not orderly on that. And then when she goes to pay for something, she spends five minutes looking for her debit card. She can never find it. Now, I am not nearly as detailed as she is, but I know you squeeze the toothpaste from the bottom of the tube. And I have one place in my wallet where I put my debit card. It's always there when I go to pay for something. We have unity in our marriage, but we do not have uniformity. We aren't the same. And in the same way, we can be different 
and have unity in our church, the body of Christ. Look back at 1 Corinthians 12. Look at verses 17 through 20. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Don't miss what this is saying to you. God has placed you in this church on purpose. He has placed every part of this body just where he wanted them to be so that together we can be strong and healthy so together we can be a healthy body, a healthy church. We are so different. Some are emotional and artsy and some are logical and stoic. Some are extroverts and some are introverts and whichever is true of you, God placed you here exactly where he wanted you to be to function the way that he wants you to function. He doesn't want you to be the same as everyone else. He wants us to have unity, not uniformity. And this means each one of us is necessary. Each one of us is necessary for God to succeed. If we don't work together to listen to the head and move together in unity, God's mission will fail. He invented the church to work in unity, to do what he needs done. He gave every person a gift. He gave every part of the body a function. And when we function together, it works. And when we don't, if the church doesn't do what we're supposed to do, if every member of the church doesn't do its part, it's game over. God's mission fails because he placed every member here to do what he wanted it to do. But, but how is this supposed to work? How do we as individuals fit into God's plan? Pastor Seth is going to take over from here and talk to you about that. Good morning, church. How's everybody doing? You came to the right service. Because in every other service, we have time constraints, but it's the Steelers games not till late, so we've got a few hours, so let's hang out. We'll talk a little bit about this connection thing and see where this goes. Um, but a healthy body functions together uniquely, right? Steve talked about what does it mean for the whole body of Christ to be working together in a way that is healthy, and so what I want to come up and talk about or what I was asked to come up and talk about is in my time as a Christian and, and through things I've seen, what does it mean for me as a unique individual that God has created? How do I fit into that bigger picture? So each of us is uniquely qualified to fill a role in God's plan. God has given each one of us something special that your job here is different than everybody else's. Your purpose here is different than everyone else's. So let's take a look at 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. Um, it'll be up here on the screen or it's in your notes. But God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. 
Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength uh, and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. So what does this verse tell us? This verse is telling us that there's a variety of gifts. It's not all just one gift, right? We all have something unique and something different that makes us special and helps us to be a part of that body. Not each of us is a hand in the body of Christ. Not each of us is a foot in the body of Christ, right? We're all something different. And the most important thing that we can do is that we can figure out what those gifts are. And then the verse says that it's not so that I can glorify myself. It's not so that I can run up the corporate ladder and make some massive life out of myself. It says, use these gifts to serve one another. Find ways to use these gifts so that you can serve one another. And if you have these gifts, use them. Don't sit back. Don't hang back and just let other people do it. These gifts aren't given to a handful of people. They're given to each and every person in this room. So you may be saying to yourself, but Seth, I'm I'm a new Christian. I'm new to this Christianity thing. I just got baptized. I'm not really sure what my gifts are. Or I've been a Christian for 40 years, and I just have never really been able to find my fit or figure out where I fit in or what my talents really are. So I wanted to give you a few practicals today. These are not in your notes, so if you want them, you got to write them down. But these are a few practical ways to start to figure out where are my talents? How do I figure out how God uniquely created me and how I can figure out what these talents are so I can start to use them to serve other people? The first one is pray. So ask God. It's amazing when you start to pray and you earnestly ask God things. It's so awesome to start to see how he reveals around you things in your life that help guide you towards that understanding of what is my purpose or what what talents have you given me or what gifts have you given me. So pray. The second one is try new ministries. Try new growth groups. Try ways to get connected. Figure out what your talents are. And when you go out and you try those new ministries, and you try to use those talents, the first one may not always be the right fit. You may go there and think, I really love working with the kids. I want to be a part of what's going on in children's ministry. And you might get there and be like, this isn't what a guy expected, and certainly God is not calling me to do this. But don't stop there. Don't sit back and then say, well, I tried. Try another one. Find some other way to get connected. Try to really uh, go after what God has planned for your life. And the big thing in this one, too, and I think it's a pitfall that we fall into a lot, and I know I do as well with a family with three kids, don't choose your ministry based off your schedule. I think so often we choose where we connect and how we connect based off of our schedule. So if God is calling you to be on the praise band, I think so many times people say, well, I've been given a talent to play music and sing, but... You know, I'm not free Thursday nights. I've got something I'm due Thursday nights, and that's when the band practices. So I really can't, that's, I don't really think that's the way God wants me to connect. Use your talents the way God wants you to use them. Don't pick it based off your schedule. Don't pick a growth group based off your schedule. Pick a growth group on, based off of where, where am I going to best connect. That's what's going to keep us healthy as Christians. That's what's going to keep us going. The third one is get connected to godly people. And this is really where we're going to kind of sit for a while because it's important, right? The body is created uh, of people. 
We're God's body here, right? And it's a group of people. And it's important that these connections are healthy. Because if our connection with God is healthy and our connections with each other is healthy, then that's what God's intentions are. That's what God's plan is for us. So connecting with people helps me to learn and to grow. When I connect with other Christians, when I connect with people around me, it helps me to learn. I understand more about who I am based off of the people that I spend time with. So Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And this is usually a scripture that we read in men's retreats because it's just, you know, it's tough and it's iron and we're sharpening each other. And, but this is for everybody. This is for men and for women, right? We all need to be sharp. And we sharpen each other by spending time together, by, by reading the Bible and understanding what God's word is and, and talking about how do we apply it to our lives and how do we figure this out. We're sharpening each other. I was doing some home improvements a couple weeks ago and my, uh, my dad came down to help me and he went into my garage and he got out one of my chisels. And I'm ashamed to say it because there's probably handymen in here, but I had been using that chisel for something other than what it was built for, so it got pretty dull. And my dad went to use it, and it didn't work. It didn't do what it was supposed to do because it was dull. A chisel has to be sharp to work. So what did we have to do? I didn't have a sharpening stone, so I had to go to the store, and I had to get a sharpening stone. And we went, and we got the sharpening stone, and we started to sharpen that chisel. And I don't know if you've ever sharpened a knife or sharpened a chisel before, but it's this slow process, right? A slow process of rubbing these two things together, and slowly as you do that over time the blade becomes sharp again. And what I fear is we, we come here and we sit in church and then we leave here and we don't connect with other Christians so that sharpening never happens. We never spend time with other people where we're learning and we're rubbing and getting that blade sharp so that when we go out into the world, we're a dull tool. God wants to use us and we can't be used effectively because we haven't sharpened ourselves. We haven't been around other people. And it should go both ways, right? I should be sharpening other people around me as they're sharpening me as well. So spending time with godly people is important. And as we build these relationships and we sharpen one another, there are these bonds that start to happen. And these bonds that start to get created. And anybody that's been a Christian for a while and in my 20 plus years of being a Christian, what I've found is... These bonds are really, really strong. When this is done right and it's done out of love and there's mercy and there's grace and we're working together and we're trying out these things and we're trying to understand these, the, the purpose and the mission, these bonds become really strong. And one of the most amazing things about God's kingdom is even though these people that I've created these bonds with have moved away and I might not see them for a while um, and we've got kids and so it's hard because we're trying to connect and schedule and it doesn't work and whatever. When I do get back together with those people, three, four, five, six, sometimes ten years have passed and it's like no time has passed at all. When you've created their, these bonds, there's something deeper there's a connection that happens that's deeper than just kind of a surface friend connection. And one of the really cool things that um, another Christian said to me when I, he was actually the person that, that married my wife and I, so we were in our young 20, our 20s and they moved away and we hadn't seen him for a while. He said, Seth, I look forward to seeing you in heaven. If we don't see each other again, I look forward to seeing you in heaven and we're going to talk about all the amazing things that happened and we're going to spend time together just rejoicing in the fact that God did these amazing things here on earth. 
These are bonds that we need to be connecting with other people. These are bonds that we need to be building with each other because when they're healthy and when we're healthy and we're creating those connections, the church as a whole is healthy. So why else are these uh, relationships important? Because unity keeps me accountable in my faith. Now, I know accountability can be a bad word, especially some people that have been Christians for a while. Accountability can be tough. There's been times probably in your church experience where people have said, well, I'm just trying to hold you accountable, and it's, it can hurt, right? When done the wrong way, it can hurt. But accountability is important in my faith because it helps keep me on track. Have you ever watched the nature shows where the big herd of animals is running along together and then a prey comes, and then that one animal kind of strays off to the side, and they're the weak and kind of hurting ones. What happens to that animal? It gets killed. It strays away from the group, and it's out there, and it's vulnerable, and it gets killed. Accountability is someone that is in the group looking out, seeing that one animal that's off to the side, and saying, get back over here. There's safety over here. Why are you straying over there? It's someone in my life that's saying, Seth, why are you doing this? Why aren't you praying? Why aren't you connecting? Why are you off on your own? Come back. Accountability is important. So the, the verse that, that I wanted to read is, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. In accountability, we're carrying each other's burdens so that when I look at somebody else, I don't just go, man, that's a tough thing you're dealing with over there. Stinks to be you, but it's tough, I'm sure, it's really hard. That's not what this relationship is about. These relationships and bonds that we build here in the church should be ones where we carry those burdens together, that I help you through those things. So I'm starting to see uh, evidence of this in my own life. So my wife and I decided we were going to go see a nutritionist. It was time, after 38 years of me not caring about what went into my body, we were like, you know what, it's probably going to be good to have somebody that's uh, keeping me accountable to this. So we went to the first nutritionist meeting, and what the first thing she said is, I need you to start creating a log. I need you to write down everything you eat so that when you come back in a month, we can go over that log and we can talk about what you're eating. And then I can give you some help. I can tell you you know, give you some tips or help you through what, you know, once we go through it. So I found an app on my phone and I log what I eat and it sends an email to her each week. But when I'm sitting down to eat or I'm eating a snack, it's amazing what that accountability does, right? I make decisions based off the fact that I know there's somebody else that's going to be looking at this. And it's a two-way street. I have to be open about what I'm putting into my body And she needs to be helping me to understand why things are wrong. And when I know that somebody else is out there looking, I'm not going to eat four pieces of cake in a day because I know she's going to see that and then I'm going to have to explain to her why I decided to eat four pieces of cake in a day, right? We're okay with it in the world. We're okay with it in that type of situation. But it's funny when it comes to Christianity and it comes to our walk with Christ, how we get a little sensitive and we get a little touchy. We don't share so much. We hold back because we're like, ah, I don't want you in my business. I don't, you know, I don't need you to know all my stuff and my junk. But we've got to, guys. Accountability keeps us safe. It helps us to succeed in what we're doing. 
And so another example this week of, of just this connection and these healthy connections and bonds that we're making here um, and what it looks like when it's really healthy is this week we had a member of the church um, that passed away. Uh, he was a member of the church. He volunteered on the tech team. I got to know him as a friend over the last couple of years. Just an amazing man to see his life and to see the way he lived his life. And we found out that we grew up 15 minutes from each other. And so we had this bond over, you know, places that we knew growing up and places that we had been. But a couple of weeks ago, he went into the hospital. And it was amazing. You get this glimpse of what, the God, what God's picture of true connection in these bonds are when these things happen. Because he went into the hospital. <clears throat> and when he went into the hospital... Usually what happens at the church is we try, it like triggers these phone calls, right? And we start calling the, group, the groups that they're connected to and the people they're connected to just to make sure that everything's okay and are you helping and are things going well and what, what do you need from us as, a church, as the church as a whole. <clears throat> and it was amazing. These things had already been done. The group that this person was involved in was already taking care of everything that they needed. They were wrapping their arms around this family, loving them, caring for them, making sure that they didn't have any needs at all. It was done and taken care of. That's a healthy bond. And when he passed away last week, these people mourned with this family. They were there for them. They comforted them. They were a part of what was happening. They made sure that they were taken care of. And it will go on long past this week and into next week and years to come. They're going to continue to take care of each other. It's because of Keith and Wendy investing into the people around them, investing into these relationships, investing into these bonds with other people, making sure they were taking care of other people when they needed help and, and vice versa, that when it came time for something tragic to happen in their lives, they had people around them to support them and lift them up and make sure everything was taken care of. That's what healthy bonds in the church should look like. So are you connecting to God's body? Are you connecting, church? Honestly connecting. Not just coming here and sitting and hanging out and saying, I checked a box this week and I went to church. Are you truly connecting to God's body in a healthy way? This, the last part of that 1 Corinthians is uh, 1 Corinthians 12, two, uh, 24 to 27. It says, but God has put the body together, giving great, greater honor to the parts that lack it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should be e have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part in it. We suffer together, and we rejoice together. We're all a part of the body. We all play a role in what's going on here at the church and is what we're doing and what's happening. And you're all a necessary part of what's going on. God has you here for a reason. He knows the people that are here. He knows the hearts of the people that are in this room and a part of the church and a part of what's going on. There's a reason that we don't have all of the church as one part of the body. There's a variety of gifts and talents that are spread out in this room, and we need everybody to use them and be a part of them so that we can all be connecting together in a healthy way. 
So when this works, it can be an amazing thing. And it can be an amazing thing not because you and I are perfect or it's going to be a perfect thing and no one's going to get hurt and, you know, everything's going to be hunky-dory and we're all going to, you know, live this life of happiness. But when it works and we connect with God and we connect with each other and we have these bonds, this church can do amazing things and God can do amazing things through us. So are you connecting today, church? And each week we've offered the opportunity to connect, for each individual to connect even on a deeper level to Christ. We've offered the opportunity of baptism each week. And if you're sitting here today and you haven't been baptized and you haven't connected with Jesus and the waters of baptism, today is the day. Stop, don't hold off, don't wait. The baptism is warm, we've got a change of clothes for you. Because God is calling, and if he's been prodding your heart the last few weeks, and you're like, ah, you know what, I don't know, and I don't really understand, I don't, this isn't for me, this is the way to connect with Christ. We connect to Christ through baptism. So before the service ends, or after the service ends, we'll, we'll be uh, offering baptisms. If you have questions, you want to talk more with us about it, or you want to get baptized this afternoon after the service ends, please meet us back here at the Next Steps booth so that we can talk with you more about that and we can help you, help you do that, all right? But connections, church. We need to connect with one another. We need to help other people get connected as well. We need to make sure that we're not letting that person stray off from the, the herd. We need to be the ones that call them back in. We need to be connecting with the people outside of here so that we can be a healthy church doing a healthy thing so that God can work through us in the mission here at Impact. Let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you so much for this opportunity, this opportunity to come to church on a Sunday morning and connect with each other, Lord. But I pray that this is not the only place that people are being connected. I pray that this is not the only place where people are feeling like this is their connection point with you each week, but that they're finding ways to connect with you throughout the week, through other people, through service, through connecting with the community, Lord. I pray that we're, we're finding ways to live out your, your purpose and your plan for our lives, Lord. We just thank you so much for this opportunity to be here and worship with each other um, and just pray that we can continue to connect. And if there's anybody in this room that hasn't connected with you in baptism and, and you're prodding their heart and you're moving them towards that today, I pray that they not leave here without asking their questions and getting their questions answered um, and stepping into that water of baptism. We just thank you so much for all you're doing here at Impact. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.